You are Locked On Wolverines, your daily podcast on the Michigan Wolverines, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Happy Saturday, part two. I did four with my fingers for some reason, two twice. Locked On Wolverines podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. And if it isn't every day, we double up like we did a, do on a day like today, just because wasn't home for much yesterday. Anyway, so uh, we're back to doing it. We're getting right into the Michigan mailbag. Least packed it's possibly ever been. 12 questions. Uh, you would think I'd do four, four, and four. That's not how we're doing it. Uh, we are doing the leaders and best, all of them who asked questions. And then we're splitting up. There's only one person who isn't in the Victor's Valiant. So we're just splitting the three and three there. And I'm just going to try to make these as substantial as possible. Not every question is substantial. Some are just a comment. But uh, I promised you a second mailbag this week. So that is what we are doing. Uh, so let's go ahead and get to our leaders and best, starting with James Crudup, James Crudup 6, who simply said, boiler up, question marks. And he sent that, as you can imagine, when the clock hit zero with the stunning upset of Purdue by Fairleigh Dickinson. And it's funny because I scoffed completely when I saw the coach saying, like, we can beat these guys. You know, when they when they were saying that, I, I might have even said that in an earlier episode this week, because it just to me, it, re, it it reeked of George Michael and Arrested Development being like, we're going we're going to win this thing just for Steve Holt to be in the background and everyone's chanting four more years. That's what it reminded me of. And I was very wrong. Um, I, I'm going to reiterate something I said in the other Saturday episode and which is what I wrote uh, on Friday night is at least it's not Michigan basketball, right? Like, at least Michigan basketball is in Purdue. Purdue has become quite known for being severely upset in the big in the uh, NCAA tournament. And when you are a one seed, you've won the Big Ten outright, you won the Big Ten tournament, you are the undisputed Big Ten champions to get uh, eliminated by a team that many are saying shouldn't have even been in the uh, NCAA tournament to begin with, you have the tallest team and you got beat by the shortest team. It's it's really literally, figuratively, really truly, uh, David versus Goliath. So it's it's hilarious. And for Michigan, listen, yeah, you just lost to the NIT in the second round of the NIT. Shorthanded. I mean, pretty shorthanded, right? Like, if if you're sitting there saying, like, you know, hey, they're not going to have... Jet or Kobe, that's probably not going to go well. You still think about it, and it's like, well, they also didn't have Jalen Llewellyn for the whole season. How did you really think this was going to go? Um, so it kind of just is what it is. And and like this time next year, I would imagine no no one will be thinking about this this time next year, unless it somehow gets worse. For Michigan. And even then, it still won't be as big of a story as being the second ever one seed to lose to a 16 seed. Virginia feels like it probably has some company, but it's also kind of, they probably also are like, oh, we're dra- dragging this up again. It's it's kind of like, well, Michigan losing to App State, you know? That's, un- you know, Michigan probably would love to have another highly ranked team out there in the ether, get beat by a, an FCS team, but probably also not because then suddenly it's going to get talked about that much more. 
So Virginia is probably in that stage. But it's not a good deal. Not at all. Josh Barr at Jadakey. I'm confused it's not Thursday. That's right. Because we because we did the one on Monday. So or Sunday, whenever I recorded it. I don't remember when. You go into well, he asked this, uh, knowing this was a, a Saturday podcast. Are you going to the NIT Final Four if Michigan makes it? No, I wouldn't have gone anyway. I don't really go to any of the basketball things anymore because of, uh, as far as in March, because conflicts with football. And people care more about football than even good basketball. Now, basketball, that's when the inside baseball of it is. Basketball will, if they're in March Madness, that's the only time in which basketball articles rival mid-season football content as far as the amount of traffic and eyeballs it gets on it. Otherwise, people do not care. So, um, but even then, spring ball tends to be just as good and it's just, it's, people care, as you can see with this podcast, people care more about the football of it all, just how it is. And I am only one person. Uh, Jimmy Whitner at Jimmy Whitner one. How are the new scoreboards coming along? Uh, I believe the one side, I haven't driven by it, but I believe the one side is the, the, uh, shell is done. I mean, just the, the columns and the, you know, the, I don't know what you would call it on something like that. Just the, the steel beam supports and all of that. But that's still, I don't expect the scoreboards to be done, done until probably the week before. That's usually how it goes whenever they start these projects. Like if they start road construction, like they started that stadium bridge and stuff like that forever ago, they finish it the week before the season. That's just kind of how it goes. Number two, your thoughts about the upcoming spring game. What do you hope to see? No injuries. Number one. Uh, number two, I'd like to just see the. I'd like to just see sharpness because last year when Cade came out, the offense did not look sharp at any point. I'd love to see the offense just look sharp. Granted, I, I don't know that we'll see, you know, how much Donovan Edwards will see, if at all. We won't see Blake Corum. So I'd like to see C.J. Stokes look really good. I'd like to see Darius Clemens look really good. And Ty- Tyler Morris, some of those guys. I'd like to see the offensive line. You know, you just want to see guys play well. Um, even then, I, I don't know that you're going to see a heck of a lot. It might look sloppy, and that's fine. It looked sloppy last year. They went to the college football playoff. Um... And again, with the non-conference, they don't have to be, you know, a world beater. They don't open with Georgia, you know, they, they open with Eastern Carolina. So, I mean, you got to be good. You don't want to have a 2007 all over again. I don't know why I keep on referencing that, but you got to be good, but you don't necessarily, you're not, you don't need to be a world beater really until midseason. KRT at Farmer 84, which football player ends up being drafted the highest this year? What round does DJ Turner go in? Might be DJ Turner. I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up being a second round guy. He'd, he might be my pick for, for the highest. Because when I sit there and think about it, there, there's no one else. Like Mike Morris would have been the one, and I think he'll probably be more of a third rounder. I think, But maybe probably fourth. Jake Moody might go in the fourth. And DJ Turner, I think, helped himself a lot with the speed thing. Because I just don't think that they're going to I think that they'll they'll look at a guy that's got speed like that and say, even if we don't love some aspects about his game, we can find a way to make it work. You know, I just think that they'll the NFL loves speed, loves it, loves it. It wasn't like he was a slouch. It just wasn't like some kind of incredible force out there. Um, but yeah, I I think that that would be 
DJ Turner would probably be my bet after the combine. Uh, now that that's all said and done. Um, and then probably Mozzie Smith seems to me like a day two guy as well. Um, and then probably Mike Morris, Jake Moody. And then, uh, I mean, some of the guys like Luke Schoomaker is probably a fifth rounder. That, that would be my guess. Uh, finishing us out in segment one, Jonathan Joseph at J Joseph 2156. Are you on the field or in the box for the spring game on the field, man? If I can help to not ever be in the, in the box for any football related, anything, that's just the best. Despite the fact that I am allergic to field turf. So, which doesn't always necessarily affect me. Granted, I usually take a couple Benadryl, uh, before I get out there. Sometimes I forget. Doesn't necessarily I don't necessarily feel anything during it's after the games or whatever. I'm like, <gasps> I can't breathe. Noticed that after the first time I ever did a spring game, that's how I found out. I was like, man, I'm having a hard time breathing. I'm really thirsty. And I went to the bathroom and I go and look in, in the mirror and my face is all red and swollen. I was like, oh, I think I must be allergic to field turf. So that's fun. I did not know that before then, but yet I would still prefer to be on the field at any given time. And deal with the uh, the consequences slash the sleepiness that comes with uh, whether I Benadryl or not. I'm just exhausted after a game. All right. We are going to continue on. We've got more questions coming up here in a moment. Before we do that, the tournament is heating up, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book. That's because customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drained. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. So don't miss the chance for your no-sweat-first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel. We're going four questions and then three questions is how this works. So, again, apologies to those who are normally in the leaders and best who are got bumps down. You're not bumped. And I didn't bump anyone down based off of anything other than just the order it was in Twitter when I copied it. So, but we start off with our leaders and best, starting with Mark Z at Mark Zimke. I thought of this when you were discussing practice photos of Tyler Morris. Do you think there is an actual strategy behind the photos they release to the public? To some degree, but here's the thing. Especially because there were more than one picture of Tyler Morris make in there. If you're making plays, that's what they're going to get pictures of, right? Chances are. If you're not making plays, you're you're not going to have the ball in your hands and making a, making a play in a picture that they're going to post. And I also don't think that they're going to highlight someone it's just like the same thing as me going through my galleries you know so i do think that there is a strategy because it's like when i when i flag a picture uh to for review in game so that i can quickly pull it up and whatever after the game it's always going to be like of a bigger play or it's just going to be a really good picture right one of the two and usually it's both and I'm not going to be like, it, it's usually not going to be like just the, you know, the guys at the end of the uh, end of the game after Michigan's got in hand and your third stringer's out there. It's going to be like Blake Corum busting one open or Donovan Edwards, you know, 
those are the ones that are going to get extra attention because it's also like a knowledge that, hey, the a, a big time player making a big time play is going to get people's eyes wide. You know, it means more when it's, you know, when it's Donovan Edwards or Cornelius Johnson scoring a touchdown against Ohio State than it is Peyton O'Leary getting his first catch. I don't think, I don't think he has a first catch. Maybe I'm wrong, but like, getting his first catch against UConn. Well, Omarion Walker got his first catch during, against UConn. I, you know, I, I think that that's, people aren't going to care as much about that as they are the big play. So I think it's just, even if it's not intentional, but I do, I do think it is intentional, but even if it isn't intentional, uh, Aaron Bills, I believe is the one taking pictures in practice. He's going to want to pick the ones of like, that was an incredible play and, or this is one of our main players doing something. And now I do think that there is some degree to which Michigan's looking at it as we're just, you know, trying to highlight a bunch of guys, but and when you have one photo set and two of the pictures are of Tyler Morris making plays, I think that that's pretty evident that he's at least doing something in spring ball. Perry Mitchell at Perry Mitchell 08 at Pro Day. Ronnie Bell's 5-10-5 shuttle time was good enough to put him second of anyone at the combine behind only Jackson Smith and Jigba. Does that move the needle for him in a relatively weak wide receiver class? It could, and I didn't mention him with the, the wideouts. It, it certainly could. I think that people should look at him and see that there's a lot of potential there. Some of it's been realized, and I think it helps him that his, his speed got bumped up. What doesn't help is that he had some uncharacteristic drops this year, which I think can be a little bit more attributed to coming back from injury and being in your head a little bit because drops were not something that Ronnie Bell was known for. And it wasn't like he had a ton, but he had, you know, it used to be like you throw it up to Ronnie Bell, he's going to come down with it. And even if, when they say he didn't come down with it, Wisconsin 2019, he came down with it, you know? Um, so uh, I do think he maybe did help himself, but I think it would still be around four or five type. Maybe he helped himself for being like five, six. Which is disappointing because I think he has Chris Olave-esque potential, but he didn't have Chris Olave-type touchdowns in particular when they had similar yardage numbers in the first two years. So, uh, but I mean, kind of similar guys, but Chris Olave always came down with those crazy catches and Ronnie Bell didn't uh, in his senior year at least. So, yeah, I think it definitely helped. Uh, and I thank you for the legwork on the, the cone drill because I did not look that up. But uh, or the shuttle shuttle drill, but uh, it very well could move the needle for him. I, I, you know, I think that's the thing. Uh, something that I, I think it was uh, DJ Turner said. He's like, and Mozzie Smith also said it. He's like, I don't really pay attention to the those mock drafts because nobody knows anything outside of round one. I think people have a pretty good, you know, the Daniel Jeremiah's of the world probably have a pretty good idea of what round one's going to look like. Outside of that, it's kind of who knows. Uh, Spencer Whitmore at Spencer Whitmore. How much interaction do you have with the other schools locked on reporters? What's just curious if it's more independent or like a virtual workforce under one company? Um, I personally don't have a ton. Um, you know, we, we've had some crossovers here and there. Uh, we have forums that I'm not generally on because they're very talkative and, 
Uh, it's I've, I've got the USA Today stuff to worry about, and they're also very talkative. It's just I, if I was to participate in the general conversations, I wouldn't have time to get a lot of work done. <laughs> so, because um, not a lot of the other lockdown reporters are running uh, a site as well. Uh, some some are, but not a lot of them are. I mean, there's there's a couple that were from. There was a point, I think, where the wire sites on USA Today, it was a pretty good overlay of they were the running the wire sites as well as being a locked on uh, podcast host. But I think we've seen some falling out there as locked as, as we've moved to video and have had more responsibilities with the podcast uh, compared to before. So I think that it, there has not been as much of that overlap. Now we're going to continue doing both here, but because of that, sometimes if I'm going to be, you know, in Ann Arbor for a bigger portion of the day than I kind of bargained for, then, you know, there might not be a podcast on the day of. We might have to make it up like we did with uh, the earlier episode from today. So there are drawbacks, but it is, I think it's kind of a choose your own level of involvement to some degree. And because I already have too much going on with those things. And then keep in mind, I interface with Michigan reporters a lot and we talk about a lot about what's going on. Uh, that happens a lot more is the beat stays close to itself. That probably happens a little bit more than uh, the national aspect. And that's, that was my experience also when I was at 24 seven sports, right? Like you have your, you had your national slack, but you kind of interact more in your local. And that's kind of the same deal. Uh, Finishing us out in segment two, James Kovalevsky. At coach underscore Kovo. Do you think there's a pathway for teams that win FCS champions championships like South Dakota State to earn promotion into a conference like the Big Ten? They played Iowa this year and seemed evenly matched, or is there zero interest because of the size of the Dakotas market? In the Big Ten, I mean, you just nailed it. No, there's there's no chance at all ever that the Big Ten's going to be like, hey, they were competitive with one of our mid-tier schools. Let's bring them in. (laughs) <laughs> when you look at the strategy, uh, I mean, Kevin Warren flat out said it at uh, Big Ten Media Days. Like, we, we, our earlier expansion, which was under Delaney, brought in uh, New York and D.C., and my expansion added Los Angeles. And so now we have the three m- most major markets, media markets, L.A., NYC Chicago and then you add DC and they've got all these others around there. I mean that's pretty that's pretty much where they're going, right? I wouldn't be surprised if Atlanta was at some point targeted. I was kind of surprised they haven't gone after Georgia Tech just for that reason. Right? And I know people would scoff at that cuz Georgia Tech's not a good team, but that's that's what Rutgers is, right? Rutgers not a good team, but it's New York. And I'll tell you what, I love them for it cuz I love going to New York every time they play Rutgers. I love going to D.C. every time they play Maryland, although how dangerous it's kind of been in D.C. lately. It's, all the, it's, it's kind of similar to San Francisco, it seems, just not a place that you really want to go. I might not do like I normally do and spend a couple of days in D.C. before going to the Maryland game. I don't know. We'll see. All right, that's going to do it for segment two. We've got a couple more questions left, and we're going to hit those here in just a moment. Before we do, the Built March Madness bracket is here. We know that you have a favorite bar or puff, and now is your time to make it count. 
Go to BuiltMarchMadness.com to vote for your favorites. You know that uh, if I, if Michigan was in the NCAA tournament, I would vote for them. But uh, I, I can't. That's why I'm going to put my vote towards the coconut brownie chunk bar. So vote for your favorite bar as well. Support your team. Support your bar or puff. And when you vote for your favorite bar or puff, you'll be entered into a drawing where 50 lucky lockdown listeners will get a free box of built. Not only that, but one locked on fan will win a 12 month subscription to built to have built bars, sorry, built's best bars or puffs delivered monthly straight to your door. You've got to try built built is the best protein bar ever. Seriously. They are so amazing that you won't even think that they're good for you. What makes built bars and puffs so good? Well, for starters, they're all high in protein, low in sugar and covered in hundred percent real chocolate. That's right. Real chocolate. Run to BuiltMarchMadness.com right now to vote for your favorite bar or puff and pick up a box while you're there. You can vote every day in March, so hop in and support your pick. I think it's kind of amazing that even when we have 12 questions, it's uh, we, we go over the 20-minute mark at least. <laughs> it, is, it is amazing because uh, last episode was only 22 minutes long, and we're at that right about now anyway. We got three more. Uh, not all of them are that long here, but let's get to them. Start with Ike, Ham- still with the leaders and best, Ike Hamlin at Hamstand 87. Are you fine with Michigan and Michigan State not protecting the rivalry? Personally, I'd rather keep them so we can keep beating them for that tunnel incident. Uh, I mean, they're going to, it is going to be protected, I would imagine. It seems like all indications that are, that's the case. But actually, no, I would prefer that they don't play in football, at least. Basketball, yes. But uh, football, no, I don't. I don't want that. It's. I've said it a bunch of times before. I'm going to say it again here. It, that is the most stressful week of the season for me, <laughs> personally, and I. I would imagine it's got to be for the players for new reasons, like we saw in the game this last year. I don't think Michigan gains anything and has everything to lose every time, and now it's 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 just become so toxic that it's. It's not the on-field thing that it gives me pause, even though Michigan has everything to lose. It's the toxicity of how where it's gotten, and I just think it's it should just have a timeout because where it's gotten and where it's going, it can, it's just getting bad. It's just getting really, really bad. Like the fact that no one got seriously injured with what just happened is amazing, because I was about to say someone could get seriously hurt. The fact that Jamon wasn't seriously, seriously hurt is unbelievable given that. I mean, really, honestly, truly, he could have been killed. And for what? That this this rivalry has just gotten way out of hand. And I just think it needs to take a big timeout, clear both sides of their rosters essentially, come back in four years and be like, all right, let's try it again. You know? Kind of like, you know, Notre Dame, you know, when, when they play every year, when they used to play every year, it was a little bit more chippy. And then they didn't play every year. And then you have that big, you know, 2018 arrival renewed. And it kind of felt like brand new and like it felt like there was a lot more respect. And when they play again in 2079, you know, and it's between two AI computers, then, you know, there'll be a lot more respect. I think the same thing should happen with uh, Michigan and Michigan State. Anton Sesmita Mangala at Sesmita Mangala. Is it football season yet? I mean, kind of. It's spring ball. 
But hey, I I'm I love football season. Uh, it especially will be wanting it once I have a mortgage, for the sake of uh, you know, I don't make as much money in the that just inside baseball here. I don't make as much money in the summer months when literally nothing is happening because there's nothing to write or talk about. Uh, and so sometimes I'm pretty poor in the summer, but I enjoy the summer. I enjoy the warmth. I prefer the warmth. Fall is bittersweet because football season is my favorite thing. Cold weather is among my least favorite things. And it feels like it's it, before you know it, it takes like six weeks before you start getting to the point where it's like, oh, I got to wear a jacket to games and stuff like that. Before I, it's like, oh, I really got to start bundling at all. If it's like a night game in mid-October, it's like, oh, yeah, I got to bundle for this. Um, but it feels like the difference between game one and Ohio state, it feels like it's once everything's done, it feel, it's like that took a week and a half. It's like summer is over before you know it. And so I get a little bittersweet about it. Finishing us out. Jonathan, sorry, Joshua Carlson. At Josh WFF96, any freshmen get meaningful reps this spring and potentially have an impact on the team this fall? Uh, I mean, we haven't really heard much as far as in terms of freshmen coming out and really doing anything. I think in part is because a lot of them are at positions that are filled. Right? Like Benjamin Hall, Cole Cabana, not necessarily going to... They're not going to, excuse me, they're not going to usurp Blake Corum, Donovan Edwards. Um, we, they, they, I think Samaj Morgan and Frederick Moore are probably the only ones. I wouldn't be surprised when Carmelo English arrives, if he's not of that ilk, but outside of that, you know, there's just not a lot of early enrollee guys that are necessarily big instant impact guys. I wouldn't be surprised if like we started hearing more about a guy like Zach Marshall though. And certainly Cam Calhoun and Jair Hill, we haven't heard much about them, but Cam Calhoun had a pick six in the first practice. Jair Hill it just has a lot of talent. I could see him being an, a guy who gets some early attention. I think we'll find out more if we can never talk to the coaches, and I don't know if we will or not. we got two more weeks, so hopefully we do. All right, that's going to do it for us with the second of the day. So thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. We will be back on Monday. Peace.